Okay, before we get into the sermon uh, and the scripture reading, we are actually going to have a year in review. Uh, and it's going to be presented to us by our very own Pastor Bob. Uh, he's going to uh, go over some of uh, what the church did and what God did at Numeracy over 2020. Good morning, Numeracy. Uh, we all know it's been a really crazy year. Uh, our last uh, in-person worship took place on March 8th. That was Daylight Savings Time weekend. That was over nine months ago. And, uh, you know, we had our usual uh, time together. We had worship. We enjoyed our, our lunch fellowship uh, provided by our, our great hospitality team. Uh, and I don't remember if we played basketball on that day. I feel like a few of us did. But, you know, one thing we remember uh, when we were at the school earlier this year is we got to really enjoy uh, using the bigger classrooms, uh, especially for our children's ministry, and also the gym. Uh, we play basketball pretty much every week uh, as part of our sports fellowship. So uh, we we're, were really blessed uh, to enjoy those facilities. Um, that seems like an eternity ago. And uh, as you can tell right now, I'm going to go into our year in review. Uh, and as we reflect on 2020, you know, we talk about 2020 vision. We talk about how hindsight is always uh, 2020. But that's not necessarily true. Uh, you need to have the right lenses on to look at the past well. So we need to put on our, you know, our biblical uh, lenses. And we need to be reminded that God is sovereign and that God is in control, and God does not waste anything. You know, anything that's happened this year in our lives, whether personally, whether interpersonally, uh, national, uh, even global, uh, those are all renewable resources. And God is actively at work in your life, in my life, and in the life of our church. So as I review this year, I pray that our hearts will be filled with joy and gratitude and able to see that God is still on the move. Uh, you know, this was obviously a year that was disrupted. For example, we wanted to go on global missions, right? That was, that was definitely a plan for 2020. And of course, that was not possible. But what we also know is that when God closes doors, he also opens uh, new doors. So let's look at some of the doors, uh, the open doors that we walked through this year. We did a good amount of local outreach. Uh, we gave regularly to our community dinner table, this amazing organization, you know, right here in Palisades Park. Uh, they provided meals for anybody who, who wanted them and needed them um, throughout the pandemic. And uh, this past Thursday, uh, a group of us went and uh, in conjunction with uh, that organization, we gave out 80 Christmas care bags. Uh, so it was really great because people came, they picked up meals, they picked up care bags. And then they also there were also toys and coats um, available for people to pick up. So thank you to all of those who put together those care bags um, as, a, as part of our community. And I also spoke to the mayor on Thursday. He estimated that our community dinner table has given out about 120,000 meals this year. Think about that. That's a staggering uh, number and it just shows how much of a blessing um, this organization has been. So we're so thankful that we were able to partner with them this year. Um, so that was one open door. Uh, the next open door is literally called the Open Door of New Jersey and New York. It's a wonderful organization uh, in West New York that helps out um, with the underprivileged and um, you know immigrants. And uh, we were able to contribute regularly uh, for the buying of grocery gift cards uh, for those in need. We also gave to help with their education programs. Uh, they, they do computer literacy pro classes. They do English English language classes uh, to, you know, to immigrants. So those are, you know, these were two organizations that we were really 
thankful to partner with uh, this year. And, you know, one goal we have as a church, of course, is to love our neighbors, right? To serve our neighbors, to impact the local community. So that was definitely an open door uh, that was available to us and that we were able to walk through with, with God's grace this year. And I also know that some of you uh, contributed individually to this organization. So we thank you again for your generosity. Uh, same goes for those of you who contributed towards our, our running towards equal justice. Um, that was a big success as well. Uh, those of you who ran, um, I didn't do it because I don't run, but uh, you know, we were able to raise a good amount of money for the Equal Justice Initiative. Uh, we also gave two scholarships uh, to two students at Palisades Park High School. Uh, they turned out to be twin sisters named uh, Yura and Ara O. Oh. So uh, we're, we're thankful that we can always partner um, with the school in that way. Uh, and again, we're just thankful for our relationship with the school that's continuing to grow and you know, the trust that's really developed uh, between our church and, and the school. And you know, if you remember, even at the beginning of this year, Dr. Cirillo, the superintendent, he came and he spoke and we really wanted to uh, provide and help and support uh, the school system in Palisades Park. They need a lot of you know, repairs and help. And, uh, you know, of course, that was put on hold this year, but we do certainly look forward to partnering with the school in the future. A few other open doors of pastors, we were really privileged to give out those care packages to you this year. Uh, thank you to all those who helped deliver those packages. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine recently, and she was like, our church didn't give any care packages. And I was like, you're at the wrong church. No, just, just kidding. But, um, you know, we're thankful that we were able to give out those packages um, to all of you. And uh, we also had two awesome social events led by uh, Hyung and our Connections team. We had that cold brew social uh, at David and Hyung's uh, home uh, outside in the driveway. And then we also had the ice cream social uh, where I definitely ate too much ice cream at Palisades Park High School. So very thankful. You know, for those of you who attended, you knew that it was like, a breath of fresh air, I mean, literally, because we got to see each other, you know, in the flesh and, and spend time together in fellowship, which, you know, we had not, we had basically been denied, you know, for months and months. So uh, thank you again to the Connections team uh, for hosting those wonderful events. Uh, Community Month was also a big success. Uh, we had that picnic in Overpeck Park. Uh, we had a women's event where the women got together and they learned um, from Chloe how to make these uh, flower bouquets. Um, I know that was a big success. Uh, we also had the men's event where we played kickball. Uh, unfortunately, that game resulted in a tie, uh, but we also got to enjoy a just delicious pizza and wings uh, in front of the school. And finally, the last event was the hiking um, that we did in Franklin Lakes. So just a real blessing. Uh, that was pretty recent. The weather was still pretty good. Uh, that we were able to see everybody out. Uh, that's pretty much the last time I think we all really gathered and saw each other uh, back in October. Uh, and it was just, you know, uh, we're just really thankful for those opportunities. And, you know, we've been able to see other opportunities um, to help keep our community together. For example, uh, the play ministry led by Chang and Paul have been really awesome uh, this year. Uh, they did that haiku contest. If you guys remember, that was, uh, that was really cool. Uh, a lot of people submitted uh, haikus about how they felt during this time of lockdown. Um, that was really enjoyable. Uh, we had not one, but two uh, trivia nights. Uh, where that was, that both were just blasts where we got to, you know, get together. And um, unfortunately, my team came up short uh, each time. Uh, but I, I know that it was just a great time to just enjoy um, spending time with each other and brainstorming and trying to come up with answers to these unique questions. And we just had the recent uh, socially distant Secret Santa, which I know a lot of you participated in. And uh, thank you for, uh, you know, giving and receiving gifts. Uh, my wife 
I received a Baby Yoda doll from uh, Brandon. So she was, she was really thrilled um, about that. If you remember, we also had NMPC Says, uh, led by our sister Deborah Kim. And uh, we had not one, not two, but three songs uh, based on Hamilton. That was really cool. Uh, I'm going to try to rewatch that video sometime because it was just such a blessing and it was so entertaining. Uh, and of course, I'm so thankful for our family group leaders. Uh, it was not easy this year for us uh, to lead over Zoom, uh, you know, basically week after week. Uh, but, you know, every one of them worked so hard, prepared a lot. Especially during the summer, if you were part of a summer family group, you were able to study Psalm 23 and hopefully memorize it. Um, and that's such a rich psalm. And we got to learn just, uh, yeah, just how much is in that psalm and how much, you know, it helps us to know, uh, to grow in our faith, to know that the Lord is our shepherd. Uh, another open door uh, along those lines with family groups is, you know, some of you, it was actually easier to join the family groups on Zoom. You know, maybe uh, you, you could just hop on uh, after you put your kids down or it just was more convenient than driving to another home. Uh, for my group, uh, Eddie Choi was part of my group and you know, he's always traveling uh, on the West Coast and he was able to join uh, on Zoom. Uh, actually, one of my old roommates who's now in Arizona has been watching us every Sunday. Hey, bum. And uh, he, he's been joining our, our family group as well. So that's another open door is, you know, the technology, right? And being able to gather together uh, online. And, uh, you know, it's really been a blessing for our staff in session to see how our community has really cared for each other during this time. Uh, there's been different crises, uh, different, you know, times of turmoil in people's lives. And uh, yeah, we've been really encouraged to see how many of you have just come alongside people to help them um, in their time of need, whether it's just, you know, praying for them, whether it's just supporting them and listening to them, whether it's just providing resources. And that really speaks to the power of community in general, uh, but it really speaks to the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our specific church community. So, you know, despite not being able to see each other on Sundays for, again, over nine months, uh, we see how many of you are still plugged in and connected to our community. So we're really grateful, you know, to see all that take place this year. And we just praise the Lord for his goodness to our church. Of course, we've been online for worship uh, for over nine months. We started at Facebook Live before we moved to our home on YouTube Live in the summer. Uh, we're thankful for the two joint services we had with New Mercy Hackensack. Always good to worship and fellowship um, with our sister church, um, even if it was just virtually. Uh, big shout out, of course, to our worship team. We're thankful for our worship leaders um, and the time they put in every single week. Uh, of course, shout out to our sister Chloe, who uh, records and edits um, all the videos. She works so hard. Uh, for hours um, every every weekend. Uh, Paul and Kevin, uh, thank you so much for leading our stream um, every Sunday. And we can, obviously, we cannot do it without you. And we also have members of the production team that have been helping out in different ways, such as moderating uh, on our YouTube live feed. I also want to just thank you to Pastor Bobe, uh, the Mercy Kids volunteers. Uh, you guys took time out um, on Sundays um, on Zoom, you know, to really spend time with the kids. So we're thankful for your, your tireless um, service. The prayer team, um, they've been faithful. They've been available every single Sunday um, after service for after service prayer. You know, they haven't missed one Sunday and they've always been available. So really thankful for how they've sought to uh, pray and to minister to people in the community. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Church Ops. Um, that's kind of an under the radar ministry that some of you may not know about, uh, but they've really been helpful in just helping ministries to figure out their, their vision and to have more clarity. And they've also helped kind of overhaul some of our leadership systems, um, some ideas that we hope to implement 
in 2021. So thank you so much for their hard work. And I just want to remind us, you know, it's actually a big year at New Mercy Palisades Church. It seems so long ago, but this was our first year we were truly independent. You know, our first year with our own operating um, budget. If you remember, we actually had uh, a service to celebrate our independence. That was back on February 23rd. A representative from Eco came and spoke. Uh, our brothers and sisters from New Mercy Hackensack came to just bless us. Um, so that was really a big deal and you know we're really thankful that we you know we were able to celebrate in that way uh, we had our theme this year uh, deeply rooted and uh, certainly this pandemic and lockdown has you know made us consider and think about yeah just truly how rooted our faith is um, especially on the personal level we also unveiled our core values which we'll uh, make sure to remind you of throughout in uh, 2021 because those are also uh, very important for our church and we also finally moved into our church office located in Englewood Cliffs. That's been such uh, a source of comfort and blessing to me and Pastor Key and Pastor Bobe. Thank you to all of those who came by, whether to just give us snacks. Um, a lot of you came by just to talk and catch up. Uh, yeah, we really had some good conversations and, and some good times together with many of you um, at the office. So we're really thankful that we were able to have that common space, um, especially during this time where you know it's, it's more difficult to meet in people's homes. Um, we also had uh, Christmas baptisms just last week uh, where we baptized four of our children um, into our church community. So that was that was really exciting. And uh, we also selected four new deacons, uh, which we will uh, ordain officially uh, next week's uh, kickoff service. So we're thankful for our newly called leaders. So I hope that we can all see that indeed um, the Lord has been faithful to our church community. Obviously, it's been a year of ups and downs. Uh, trials and tribulations and yet you know I hope we can see that we have so many blessings to praise the Lord for so as I hand it over to Pastor Key let's remain in a place of gratitude and always giving glory to our God wow thank you Pastor Bob for that overview of 2020 um, yeah it's really great to see how God has been faithful uh, in the year uh, despite some of the stuff that happened. Uh, I'm going to be commenting a little bit more on it uh, in the sermon, so I don't want to say uh, too much at the front end, but but thank you for just cataloging all that for us. Uh, it really was uh, great, to, great to hear all that. Okay, so today's sermon, uh, the scripture reading actually for today's sermon, uh, comes from Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. Uh, you can follow along on the screen. It's a very short verse, uh, or uh, on your phones or on your Bible, uh, or you can just listen. Okay, here now God's word. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. So, about 20 years ago in the year 2000, there was a, a really popular, popular movie that, that came out. Okay? And the title of that movie was Castaway. Castaway. Uh, I, I personally really uh, enjoyed the movie. Uh, I, I think Tom Hanks did a, a fantastic uh, job in it. Uh, now, if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> you've been living under a rock and you haven't seen the movie, uh, the plot is really simple. Uh, Tom Hanks, uh, he plays uh, the main character in the movie. Uh, his name is uh, Chuck Noland. Uh, and he works as a systems analyst for FedEx. Uh, so basically, he uh, just travels the globe. Uh, helping different FedEx facilities become more efficient with their time. So at the start of the movie, 
things are uh, things look really good for Chuck. Okay, business is great. Uh, he's in love with his longtime girlfriend, uh, and he's looking forward to getting married the following year. Okay, so things are looking good. But then, uh, as many of us know, he steps on a plane to Malaysia to help one of the FedEx depots there. Uh, and while the plane is over the Pacific Ocean, there's a terrible storm, a really, really bad storm. Uh, and the plane, unfortunately, crashes. Uh, Chuck, who ends up being the only survivor, uh, he eventually uh, washes up on a very remote island uh, and just ends up having to survive. Now, obviously, uh, he hopes the search parties will will find him quickly, uh, but they don't. Okay, the Pacific Ocean is very large. Okay, uh, and so he ends up stranded on that remote island for four years. For four years. Now, at the end of the movie, uh, after he's rescued, Chuck uh, he recounts his experience to a friend. Okay, and he basically just shares with that friend that each day that he was on the island was just him trying to stay alive. Okay, just breathing that next breath, hoping against hope that something would change. Probably should have given a spoiler uh, alert uh, for that, but if you haven't watched it by now, it's too late. Um, anyway, uh, that plot is basically 2020 in a nutshell, right? At the start of this year, we all had crazy hopes. I mean, it's 2020. It's the end of the decade. Uh, and, and things were really looking up. But then this virus hit. Uh, and literally everything changed. Everything changed uh, from that point on. Uh, and, and in many ways, it was, it's been pretty terrible, right? The, the loss of life, uh, the loss of livelihoods. Uh, the physical isolation that a lot of us have been experiencing. Uh, a lot of the days this past year, for many of us, it just felt like we were just existing, right? Just surviving, like eating and sleeping and waiting for the time to pass, just hoping that the next day would bring hopefully better news. Uh, unfortunately, until recently, each day seemed to bring only bad news, right? Do you remember that? Day after day, just bad news after bad news. Do you guys actually remember the early days of the pandemic when we thought life would be back to normal in just a few weeks? It is almost a year later now, and everyone in Target is still walking around with a mask. People are still afraid to give hugs. You know, if I'm being honest, there were times when 2020 felt like a waste. I had a lot of plans for this year, uh, for myself and, 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 and for the church. Uh, and so in many ways, this year was a huge disappointment because I really wasn't able to do a lot of the things that I wanted to do. Uh, and at one point when, when things weren't getting better, uh, I, just, I just wanted the year to be over. I'm sure a lot of you guys probably felt like that. But then what I did was uh, I sat down. Uh, and I, I thought about the year, uh, and I asked myself, right, this is fairly recently, I asked myself, had everything been normal this past year, would we have wasted it any less? Okay, had everything been normal this past year, would we have wasted it any less? You know, I'm sure that 
a lot of us think if 2020 was a normal year, it would have been much more productive. Okay, and I'm sure in some ways that it would have been more productive. But let's be honest, in the ways that really matter, would this year have been any less wasted had everything been normal? In fact, I would make the argument that had everything been normal, many of us would have just continued life as usual. And for a lot of us, I'm not sure that that would have been a good thing or a productive thing. See, what we forget is that more often than not, normalcy actually breeds complacency. Look, I do not want to trivialize by any means the hardship that many people have faced this past year. God never trivializes suffering and hardship in the Bible. In fact, the cross shows just how seriously our God takes our suffering. Okay? Or take the Apostle Paul, right? Paul was a man of faith. He was a man of great faith. But he still, despite that faith, he still grieved, right? Uh, and, and he mourned when he experienced stress uh, and slander and betrayal, which he experienced often. Uh, when he was lonely in prison, he craved companionship. You see it in his letters. His heart broke at the thought of losing people that he loved. Okay? And the constant physical suffering that Paul endured, I'm sure all that took its toll, toll on Paul. Paul. Just like the rest of us, Paul was human. And just like us, suffering sometimes felt wasteful to him. In 2 Corinthians, when Paul keeps praying to God to take away that thorn that had been plaguing him, right? Part of the reason Paul prayed for relief is because he did not see the thorn as helpful or useful. He believed it was wasteful and a hindrance, okay? It made him weak. But as Paul eventually learns, even things that seem wasteful, right? Like hardship uh, and seasons of just waiting. Even those things God can redeem. At the end of the passage where Paul asks God to remove that thorn, this is, this is what Paul says that God taught him. Okay, Paul writes this, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Brothers and sisters, God's love and power and wisdom can transform even the most terrible and wasteful things into things that are profoundly redemptive and productive. You know, everyone who was there at Jesus's crucifixion, as they saw him hanging on the cross, as they saw him breathe his last breath, every single one of them thought that Jesus had been defeated and that his life basically amounted to nothing. What a waste, many of them probably thought to themselves. But what do we know? What we know is that God took that evil event and he turned it on its head. 
and he made something that appeared so wasteful to everyone, to everyone else, okay, the death of Jesus, he made that into the most redemptive and productive act in the history of humankind. God turned what appeared so wasteful into something that would bring about the salvation of billions of people out of the ashes, out of death. Okay, all things that seem so wasteful, God brings resurrection and redemption. I am not here to trivialize your suffering with some quaint uh, feel-good moral lesson. Okay, no, this truth that I shared with you, that I just shared with you, okay, that out of darkness, God can bring light and resurrection and redemption. That truth has sustained people through every century through some of the most egregious forms of suffering that humans have ever seen. This isn't pie-in-the-sky thinking. Okay? This isn't some inspirational meme uh, that we see on Instagram. Okay? This is the concrete hope that we have in Christ. Okay? It, this hope has been etched into the fabric of history and into our lives with His blood. And it and as His children, we have access to that hope and we can appropriate it. And if we do, it can give us real power through our circumstances. Uh, so this past week, Tim Keller, um, he shared a short video update on uh, one of the ministries that he's still actively involved in. Uh, and towards the end of that video, uh, he talks a little bit about his, his uh, pancreatic cancer, okay, which he was diagnosed with earlier this year. Uh, and he shares candidly that the cancer did close some doors for him. Okay? There are certain things that he can't do now that he was able to do before. Okay, But in the video, in that same video, immediately after he says that, after he talks about some of the closed doors that the cancer brought to his life, he shares that as much as the cancer closed some doors and took opportunities away, the cancer also opened other doors for him. Okay, and he lists uh, and he lists some of them in the video. And this is what he says. He says, "Doors of deeper prayer have been opened. Doors of a lot better understanding of what my personal idols are and what my personal besetting sins are." A great sense of being closer to God than I have ever been before. And my wife has felt the same. Look, it goes without question that 2020 was not easy. was not an easy year for Tim. Okay, Early in the year, uh, after the, the diagnosis, Tim shared publicly that there were clear moments of, of shock and, and fear for him. You know, pastors are people. We struggle with the, with the same hardships and fears that, that you guys struggle with. Okay? The only truly unflappable leader in the church is Jesus. Okay? All the rest of us, including pastors, we're all sheep. You know, I'm sure, humanly speaking, there are many things that Tim wanted to do this year. Okay? But as he shared, a good number of those things he had to close the door on. Okay? And I'm sure, I'm sure that that felt wasteful to him, like lost opportunities. Okay? But like the Apostle Paul, in his weakness... Tim sought after God, and he found that God could turn even this hardship on its head and make it profoundly redemptive and productive. Like Tim shared, he has grown in ways that he hadn't planned or anticipated on earlier in the year. 
This is essentially what happened to Chuck Nolan in Castaway. Now look, I know Castaway is a fictional movie, okay? Uh, but the lessons he learned are very true to life. You know, uh, a part of the movie that most people don't remember is the beginning, right? We all remember the time he's on the island when he gets rescued, but a, lot of, a part of the movie that a lot of people forget is the beginning. So as a systems analyst, Chuck is obsessed with efficiency, right? That's the name of the game. That's, that's the job, okay? Wasted time was something that he absolutely loathed. Well, in uh, one of the opening scenes in the movie, Chuck, he's in Russia, uh, and he's at uh, FedEx Depot, uh, and he's yelling at them for not being as efficient as they could be, okay? And so what he does is he hangs this really large digital clock uh, in the processing center, right in the middle, so that it's visible to everybody, okay? And as he's hanging that clock, this is what he says. He says, time rules over us without mercy. We live or we die by the clock. We never turn our back on it. And we never ever allow ourselves the sin of losing track of time. Tom Hanks, um, as Chuck Nolan says, a very, very passionately in the movie. Now, I'm sure you can see the irony of this statement, given what happens to him being stranded on a remote island for four years, right? But it's also ironic because his obsession with efficiency and time at work, that obsession actually causes him to end up sacrificing and losing time with his family and those he loves. Well, when he's stranded on that island for four years, he's forced to learn a new perspective on time. See, for Chuck, his understanding of time was rooted in efficiency, right? Efficiency was the name of the game for him, right? He was obsessed with using time efficiently, okay? But on that island, all he had was time and lots of it, okay? Just like many of us in 2020, day in and day out, he had all of this time and it felt like he had nothing to do but survive, which probably didn't feel very efficient or productive to him. Chuck was literally forced to sit with time as it wasted away. Each mark that he scratched on that wall was a daily indicator to him of how long he was on that island just waiting. See, in all that waiting, in all that being still, uh, in all that mind-numbing loneliness, Chuck started to change. For one thing, uh, he learned patience and perseverance, okay? Time wasn't just about efficiency and productivity anymore, okay? About doing the next thing as quickly as possible. Instead, he learned to dwell with time. He learned to dwell in the moment, to appreciate conversation, even if it was just with Wilson, which was valuable. Okay? And speaking of Wilson, Chuck also learned the value of relationships. How much, he learned how much he needed conversation and people and intimacy. I mean, he couldn't really get it on the island, get that on the island, so he created Wilson, okay? Uh, which is volleyball, like I said, uh, to keep him company, okay? He, because he couldn't get it, he created Wilson to keep him company. And, you know, we see this phenomenon in uh, uh, solitary confinement. You know, people who are in solitary confinement, uh, they start talking 
to people that aren't there. They start hallucinating uh, and things like that because that's how much human beings uh, crave and, and need community. Okay, but when Tom Hanks realizes that when he creates that volleyball, you know, to, to talk with, to relate with, in doing that, he learned just how deeply he needed relationship. Okay, and relationships take what do we know? It takes time. Relationships take time. Now, as much of a truism as that is, it's something that every single one of us struggles with. Okay, in the modern pace of living, okay, and with 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 the modern obsession with achievement and productivity, it's our time, right? It's our time with our loved ones that suffers. Okay, Chuck also learned. Another thing on the island, he learned hope. When you are stranded on an island, the only thing that will ultimately get you through all of that time is hope. Okay, And so Chuck learned to hang on to hope, right? And to let that hope sustain him day in and day out. Now, at the end of the movie, we learned that the hope that sustained him was the hope of being able to be with his girlfriend again. Okay, that was what was sustaining him to live day after day. Okay, but when he gets rescued and comes back to America, he discovers that she moved on, right? And she had gotten married and started a family, which drove me crazy when I got to that part of the movie, right? But but that's what happened. Uh, and in a conversation with a friend at the end of the movie, Chuck shares how hard that was for him to accept. Okay, but he also shares. Because he learned patience on the island and perseverance and hope, despite the situation not being what he wants right now, that's what he's going to do even now. Yes, he lost her again, but he's still going to live day in and day out because he knows that tomorrow could be different. That's what he learned on the island. Now, let me just quote something from the movie. This is what Chuck Nolan says in that conversation to his friend. He says, you know, after he realizes that he needs to move on from this woman that he'd been waiting for, he says, I know what I have to do now. You got to keep breathing because tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring? You know, there are profound things that Chuck lost while he was on that island. Okay, he lost community for four years. He lost opportunities in his work and in his life. He lost a wife. Okay, there's no, there's really no way around that. Okay, but he also gained things he probably wouldn't have otherwise. Powerful things that would transform the rest of his life. He, he discovered new parts of himself, his strengths and his weaknesses. He discovered different perspectives on time, which helped him to appreciate time in a new and better way. He developed character. Okay, And these are all absolutely essential roots that we all need to learn in order to, to live and to love well. And for most of us, it's only through hardship and waiting that we learn these things. Now, this past year was a painful one. Okay, some of us lost significant 
and important things. Okay? And I don't want to trivialize any of that. Okay? But the hope that we profess as Christians is that even in darkness like this past year, our God can bring redemption. You know, Chuck Nolan, he learned hope by hoping for a better day. Okay? But brothers and sisters, the hope that drives us is even greater than that. Okay? Not only will there be a better day when everything is restored and all the tears are wiped away, but the, hardship, the hardships we go through in time, God promises that through them, He is going to build our faith and empower us rather than tear us down. Paul says, God actively works through what? All things for our good. God actively works through all things for our good. That is one of the primary tenets of our faith. You know, we did a lot of uh, waiting this past year, right? Uh, and to modern people, waiting feels like a colossal waste of time. How many people do you know who think waiting is productive, right? Combine that with the losses from this past year. And it's easy to see why so many people see 2020 as one of the most inefficient, wasteful years on record. But as people of faith, we are called to see with different eyes. Brothers and sisters, the more you learn about the nature and the character of our God, the more you're going to see that our God is not a God who's obsessed with efficiency. No. Instead, he's obsessed with love. And what do we know about love? What we know is that sometimes efficiency has to be thrown out, in fact, in order to love well. You know, I can't love my family quickly. I can't love them quickly. Okay, I can't love them efficiently. Right? I need to sit with them, okay, to lavish on them. And, and lavishness is not efficient. By definition, it's wasteful. You know, Tim Keller titled one of his books, The Prodigal God. It's a great short book, okay, but he titles it The Prodigal God, which is a very interesting title, but it's so true to who our God is. See, the dictionary defines prodigal as spending money or resources freely and recklessly, okay, wastefully extravagant. Okay, is what prodigal means. The more in tune you are with God's heart, the more you see this about him. Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. And in some ways, that could be considered unwise and terribly inefficient. As the disciples in the Gospels, as they want to rush Jesus along, what does Jesus do? Jesus, do? Jesus takes his time with people. Even during emergency, he takes... Even during emergencies, he takes his time with people. Why? Because time is needed to love well. In fact, a lot of what we see in the Bible seems like a waste of time. Right? God seems like he's just dawdling sometimes. He's just like plodding along haphazardly. But as you read the Bible, and as you get to know him, you see that he takes his time because relating with people entangled in the messiness of sin... It takes time to untangle that, to get through to us. We barely understand how much that it probably takes, but God does. 
and he takes the time that he needs. Look, I'm not saying efficiency isn't important. Look, efficiency is important at times. Me gambling my money away is inefficient, okay? And it will negatively impact my family. Careful efficiency with the development of this vaccine, that is a good thing. But in a lot of other ways, efficiency gets in the way of love and growth. Like I said, we did a lot of waiting this past year, okay? Uh, there were things this past year that felt wasteful and, and, and purposeless in all of that waiting, right? But if you're a Christian, what the biblical evidence indicates is that much of your faith experience is going to involve waiting through times that seem wasteful and purposeless. In fact, faith and waiting are so interconnected in the Bible that the Bible sometimes uses them interchangeably. I'm not sure if you notice this, but when you read the Bible, at the very center of faith is the experience of waiting on God. You can almost define faith as waiting on God. So at the very heart of faith is the idea of waiting. Okay? And at the very heart of Christians who wait well is faith. One of the most important paradoxical truths in the Christian faith is that waiting is actually one of the most productive things that we can do. See, when it comes to the development of faith, when it comes to growing as a disciple, waiting is essential. As someone once wrote, you cannot microwave maturity. Depth always comes slowly. In the Bible, Waiting on God in faith is one of the most is one of the primary and most dynamic means through which God works in our lives. It's through waiting in faith that God deepens our faith and our relationship with Him. Okay? And it also forges in us character and faithfulness. Okay, as John Orberg as, as John Orberg puts it, waiting is not just something we have to do while we get what we want. No, it is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. So our theme for 2020 was deeply rooted. Okay? And at the start of the year, a lot of people shared with me how great they thought that theme was. Right? And, and they were really excited about it. Okay? I was really excited about it. But then the pandemic hit. And at one point during the year, it felt like, all we were doing was waiting around. Okay? In many respects, it felt like an unproductive year spiritually and as a church community. Okay? I'm sure some people thought, man, you know, what a, what a waste of a good theme. I even thought that at times. But brothers, brothers and sisters, it's often as we wait. It's often when we are still that we get to know God. When we are flailing around, waiting impatiently, flailing around, it's hard to grow roots. It's hard to know God. Okay, if you look at the people in the Bible, how do they grow deeper roots? They grow deeper roots as they wait on God in faith. Certainly 2020 was hard. Okay, certainly community suffered this past year. Certainly we lost things. 
But if you understand God, you know his love was at work behind our waiting. Because all things he uses for our good. Tim Keller, I think he says it very well. God's sense of timing will confound ours, no matter what culture we're from. His grace rarely operates according to our schedule. Jesus is saying, my grace and love are compatible with what seem to you to be unconscionable delays. It's not, I will not be hurried even though I love you. It's, I will not be hurried because I love you. I know what I'm doing. And if you try to impose your understanding of schedule and timing on me, you will struggle to feel loved by me. Why would we want to hurry somebody this powerful and this loving who treats us this tenderly? Why would we be impatient with someone like this? Tim Keller concludes. Brothers and sisters, God was on the move this year. We were waiting but God was doing. Were you able to discern his movement? You know, all of you who served this past year, despite all of its difficulty, some of, some of you might have felt like it wasn't very productive. But can I share something with you? Behind your service, I saw God's love. Behind your service, I saw faith. Nothing you did this year was in vain. Even if it didn't produce what we had hoped, in the eyes of God, our service is fruitful, even if it just pleases God. I personally learned a ton this past year uh, about my weaknesses, about my needs, uh, about my depravity, right? About how restless I am as a person, uh, about how uh, resilient and unresilient my faith is. Right? I also learned profound things about community, okay? new things that I hadn't learned before. I learned about how, how much more I need God than I had previously thought. And I learned about how important prayer really is each day of my life. Brothers and sisters, what I'm going to ask you to do right now is, can we take some time to reflect on this past year? Let's not just kind of jump into 2021 and just kind of forget everything. I, I think there's important, there's an important thing that happens when we reflect in prayer about the past. Okay, so can we reflect on this past year? Okay, Let, let's sit and be still in this moment. Okay, don't just be like, oh, let's turn off YouTube, we're done now. No, let, let, for the next, can we take a holy moment for the next few minutes? To, to, to be still and to sit and to let the year, this past year, wash over us, okay? And, and to let the hard things that happen to come up in our heart. Can you guys do that right now? Okay, and as, as that's happening, as you let the year wash over you, let's try to see God's hand behind it, okay? And, and let's thank him for what we learned, okay? And let's also praise God for his mercies because they were there. Now, for some of us, all we can muster up at this point is lament. For some of us, all the only thing we can muster up at this point is lament. That's okay. Okay, sometimes that's all a psalmist could do is muster up lament. What I ask you to do is, if that's you, I just want you to sit with that. That lament, that feeling 
that you're just you're just so down in the dumps. Just want you sit with that uh, and lay it before God. You know, part of learning faith is learning how the feeling of God's absence is not always indicative of reality. It's through processes like this that we learn to see with eyes of faith that though we cannot always feel it, God is actually always present. Brothers and sisters, know this. Even when God feels far, He is near. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was crying out to the Father about the cross that he was about to face, right? In that moment, Jesus felt the furthest from the Father than he has ever felt in his entire existence, okay? But this is what James Edwards, the theologians, theologian says, okay? This is what he noticed or notices. What profound irony Gethsemane conceals for when Jesus feels most excluded from God's presence, he is in fact closest to God's will. Jesus waited on God, even when he felt absent. Jesus followed the will of God, even through the darkness. And it led to resurrection and to eternal joy for him and for us. You guys see that? God was present and God was active in 2020. Yes, darkness was present in 2020 as well. But his redemptive, God's redemptive forces were powerfully at work. See, in God's universe, darkness will never prevail. Okay, let's ask God for the eyes of faith to be able to see and understand and grasp that truth. So can we just take a few minutes then right now just to sit with this past year and let it wash over you? And, and um, try to discern God's hand behind that. And the others of you who are just feeling a lament, maybe you feel God is absent. Uh, maybe you're feeling really low. Even that brings God. And you might not feel it right now, but God's presence is with you. And I, I hope in this exercise that this would deepen your faith and your understanding that in absence, God is actually there. And however else you feel like, you, whatever else you feel like you need to say to God right now, let's just take a, a few minutes to do that. Let's take this time, because we don't often do this. Let's take this time to just sit with God and talk to Him about this past year. Okay, so let us pray.